<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Straight ahead this morning on The Insiders, commit a crime, serve your time, and then perhaps get a chance to vote again. We'll talk to an Iowan who shared an emotional phone call with the governor after she restored his voting rights. Hear why this has been so important to him and the disagreements among lawmakers about whether this should be automatic in the future. Plus, Tuesday's vote looms about that penny tax increase. We'll have the two sides debating this local option sales tax proposal for some cities in Polk County and whether it makes sense right now. And in the Insider's Quick 6, how to make visitors forget about this miserable Iowa winter. Good morning. Governor Terry Branstead used an executive order to ban felons from automatically getting their voting rights restored after they complete their sentence. The current governor, Kim Reynolds, is working to change that slowly. She wants voters to approve a constitutional amendment to automatically restore the rights, but lawmakers have to agree to this first. She let Mark DeYoung of Ankeny know that he will not have to wait, and Mark joins us now. So you got quite a phone call from the governor, right? Yes, I did, Dave. Yes, I did. Uh, speaking of the governor, let's listen to what the governor told us after she made that phone call to you. I just restored uh, several more rights just this week. I made two phone calls to let the individuals know that I had restored their rights, and I can't even begin to describe to you um, their appreciation for that phone call and uh, what it means to them to really get back their dignity and really become a better citizen in the state of Iowa. They're working really hard to do that. What was that phone call like for you? Um, it caught me off guard, actually, because um, I had sent in my paperwork, oh, a couple, three, four weeks ago, and uh, I got the call at night, and actually I wasn't, wasn't on the line, and actually it was voicemail. And uh, when I got the call, I thought, you know, well, this is nice, but then I'm like, this is really the governor. And uh, it just showed me the compassion she has, not only for, for uh, that cause, but also really showed her integrity as a person, I think. Uh, you've uh, been through some stuff and you did some yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. What happened? Yeah. Well, it goes back uh, some 11, 12 years ago now, and um, it was back in 2008, and my world, as I thought, it was falling apart, and uh, a selfish, narcissistic act cost me more than just a pension. I was working for a large uh, consumer goods company and uh, had a 25-year career with them. Um, I uh, made some bad mistakes, made some bad judgments, uh, put a lot of people at risk, and it cost me dearly. Essentially, so, you're kind of defrauding people yep. of money, the way yep. this worked out. Well, I was working a, a scheme uh, to recoup monies to take trips with customers, and um, unfortunately, it was outside the bounds, obviously, of the integrity of the company, sure. and I breached that. Uh, I asked you to, you wrote a letter to the governor mm -hmm. to kind of plead your case here to get your voting rights back. Yeah. And if you'll share a little bit with us sure. about how you opened up about it. Absolutely. Um, this talks about going back to 2008 and uh, my world as I thought it was falling apart. Um, 
selfish, narcissistic act cost me more than just a pension and a 25-year career. It cost me my integrity, my character, and most of all, my name. In the end, I was stripped naked to a blank identity. Everything I thought I was and had was over. I thought I blew it. The next three years would be filled with many turning points and many dark days. Finding out that the criminal charges were going to be filed against me, FBI visits to my house, grand jury testimony, numerous lawyer sessions, the not knowing what to do next, sell my house, the parole officer's visit to the house, not being a key provider for my family, the long days alone, not knowing whether to get a job or not, and overall, just trying to get on with my life. You were in prison for how long? Um, my charge was 16 months when I got uh, uh, charged on uh, November of 2011. And it took a few years for this to kind of catch up with you and yep. them to prosecute you and yep. you to go off to prison yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, you're now uh, working uh, to help those dealing with substance abuse issues. As you sort of step back and look at this yeah. whole situation, um, what do you say to those who say, look, you made this decision, you did bad stuff, you knew what the punishment should be, so why yep. should we let you vote again? You yeah. committed a felony. Um, the way I look at it is, if that's the law, that's uh, getting a restoration of rights, uh, really there's processes to do that. And for many people within the system, um, they find it very hard to do that. Uh, I was fortunate that I have a loving family, a loving church, uh, loving friends to support me through all this, and it's actually what saved me. Um, when I got out in 2012, um, I still had uh, probation to do. Uh, many people get out at three, five, ten years of that. So the, the lag time of getting restoration of rights for them may be deterred, uh, and it sometimes seems hopeless. I was able to get my rights back in 2015, but at that point I didn't feel that that privilege uh, was warranted to me. I feel I, I still was sliding back into a lot of people that knew me back in 2011 when this happened, they may not know my story. Sure. Uh, and, and to even tell this now, um, it seems a little bit uncomfortable, but I know it's what I need to do. And 38 states already automatically mm -hmm. restore the rights. Of course, we used to now, the debate at the mm -hmm. state house among some is whether restitution be, should be fully paid. Sure before this happens, uh, the way, do you, how do you view this? Should we do it sort of as the governor's doing it now, one person at a time until this constitutional amendment could happen, or should we go back and do this automatically, which she could do through an executive order? Do you care? Um, I think everything is individualized. I think personally, everybody's case is individual because we don't get all lumped into the same thing. I know a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, agencies out there feel like uh, he did the crime, so why should he be able to vote for the people that make the laws, right? Uh, but at the same point, if I get a, a driving ticket for a speeding ticket, I still get to drive the next day, right? Um, my personal opinion is uh, the justice system is the justice system. My personal justice system is not of this world. Uh, I feel that, um, you know, we need to have, um, you know, the person that saved me doesn't look for perfect record, he looks for a humbled heart. So I feel personally that if, some, if the law, current law is you have to have restitution, I think that needs to be followed. In my case, uh, I did that. Uh, I was in the position uh, that I did my probation, paid my restitution. For some people coming out, though, that copped a pretty big crime, they'd never be able to pay the restitution.
All right, Mark Young, we appreciate you sharing your story. Thank you so Thank much. You. I appreciate it. Dave. Appreciate it. When we come back, the latest attempt for some Polk County communities to raise their local option sales tax, we'll do a little mini debate on this next. Election day, two days away for these six cities, West Des Moines, Windsor Heights, Des Moines, Alleman, Altoona, Pleasant Hill. This will be another attempt to increase the local option sales tax by a penny in these communities. Now, you'll remember the rules were different the last time when the vote overall failed. Let's bring in our insiders to talk about this this morning. Brad Anderson is the state director for AARP in our state. Thanks for coming back. Dave, good to be here. Drew Klein is the state director for Americans for Prosperity. Good to be here. Good to be here. Good to be with you. You're and the only one with hair on this on this show. A little bit, yes, exactly, a little bit. I don't want to ruin the ending here, but these two gents will not agree on the topic we're about to do, so that's our setup here. All right, Brad, uh, it is a little unusual, though, that AARP is kind of weighing in on this. Why yeah, do you so all get in? AARP is supporting this for one reason, actually, really one word, and that comes down to safety. And so uh, with regards to this local ballot uh, option sales tax, it's going to raise about $37 million, half of which are going to go to fixing our streets and making them more pedestrian friendly, um, making sure that EMS service is available to the entire city of Des Moines um, in, in, in eight minutes or less. That's the response time. That's the national standard. Uh, we want to make sure that the entire city has that. Uh, flood prevention, you know, fixing our storm drains. you got to remember, someone died last summer during the flash floods. And so it really comes down to safety, and half of the $37 million is going to go towards that. The other half is going to go towards property tax relief. And for our folks, for AARP's folks, um, especially on a fixed income, it's a big deal. Des Moines property taxes right now are fairly high. And the idea that we're going to keep increasing those property taxes and shouldering and having property owners shoulder all of the burden for fixing our streets and our sewers and our EMS services it just isn't right, especially for those folks on a fixed income. And so we're coming out. We're not just supportive. We're strongly supportive. And uh, we're optimistic that it's going to pass on Tuesday. Uh, Drew, this will lower property taxes the way this would go through here. You're not a raise taxes kind of guy here. But the property tax part, that part's good, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on what we mean by lower property taxes. But even that becomes a little bit challenging. So, so we're going to invest some of this in, in these quality of life amenities, which are likely going to increase property values, which means assessments are going to go up. And I'm here to guess that that means that property taxes are going to go up as well. And so you might drop the levy rate, but individual homeowners are probably still going to end up paying more in taxes. And they're going to argue after talking to some of these folks that if nothing happens here, property taxes are going to go up anyway to pay for these city services. So why not spread it out and at least collect some of this money when visitors come to Des Moines. Well, even that is a choice that these local officials make. I mean, we can talk about uh, the, the spending habits across these six cities, uh, but the reality is if you look just at, at tax increment financing alone, each of these cities is, is way outside of the line. I mean, Altoona itself has 28% of its property value in TIF districts. In 2016 alone, the Des Moines Register reported that the city of Des Moines signed on to over $300 million in tax increment financing and other economic incentive packages. So let's, let's actually force our elected officials to do their job and, and, and decipher between wants and needs, take care of public safety issues first, and then we start getting into these other things. I mean, we have, we have a $100 million river, recreational river project 
project uh, under consideration in Des Moines as well. Uh, but at the same time, we, we can't afford to, to fix potholes and pave roads. I mean, that's essentially the argument I'm hearing out of out of the city of Des Moines and, and a lot of these other cities as well, is that we want these these new shiny objects or, or maybe behind the scenes, they're they're planning those things and then using a different message to justify a tax increase. Did, that's did a false a, choice. Brad, does he have a point about is uh, the TIF, has that been getting abused? It did well, seem like it used to be used for something else years I, ago. I, what I, what I want to correct is the idea of that this is just going towards quality of life amenities because um, I, I don't know if you saw from the footage in June when they were when they, we had all this flooding and they started tearing up the storm drains to fix them. Uh, our storm drains right now in Des Moines, a lot of them are made out of wood. <laughs> they're wood. They're a hundred years old. And so the idea that we're going to put this towards quality of life amenities, I don't consider fixing our storm drains a quality of life amenity and flood prevention. I don't consider fixing our roads, which are in desperate need of repair. I don't know how you got to work today, but I mean, for me, it was dodging pothole after pothole. You try and drive down floor anymore, that's the gateway to the city. It's a mess, right? So this is gonna go to fixing those roads. The other thing, and this is a really important point, is this eight minute response time and the fact that if you come to Des Moines for the state fair, and you're from all over the state, and you come in, you have the same access to our EMS services as you do as a resident of Des Moines. If you come in for March Madness, for example, you, you're tearing up the roads the same way I'm tearing up the roads. We cannot shoulder all of the burden on these services on Des Moines residents and Des Moines property taxpayers when other people are using these services. So 97% of Iowa has a local option sales tax for this very reason, to kind of share and spread out the costs and make it more equitable. What we're saying is the time has come. We can't, our, our options are pretty clear here. Either we're gonna raise property taxes or we're gonna cut services. This has nothing to do with quality of life amenities. These are very serious questions. This is a very serious question that we're facing. True, since most everybody else in our state already has one, why should Polk not just follow suit? Well, I think it's a bad argument anytime we say, well, somebody else is doing it, so we should do it as well. I mean, I wouldn't accept that argument from my kids, and I don't think it works in government either. But, but I think we're also trying to pretend that sales tax is the only way that we benefit from people visiting the metro area. Uh, I mean, we have, a, we have an industry and an economy uh, that benefits from those folk coming to us, and, and there is revenue that's generated and, and circulates back into our economy because of those visitors. Sales tax is one way that you could do it, uh, but we benefit overall from those folks coming to Des Moines and the surrounding areas. Uh, there's plenty of opportunity for us to prioritize existing revenue without having to, uh, to, to place an extra tax burden on those folks that come to our town as well. All right, time flew by here. Uh, if you gents will hold on here, we'll have you back here at the end of the show. When we come back first, an appeal from an Iowa immigrant. Jay Byers of the Greater Des Moines Partnership leading the effort to get Congress attention on immigration reform. He's part of a few dozen organizations supporting what is called the Iowa Compact on Immigration. Some of the key components call for not separating migrant families anymore, connecting immigrants to resources longer term when they're in our communities, possible path to citizenship for those already illegally here, 
and then increase security using things like E-Verify so businesses hire only eligible workers. Now, one immigrant who has parted this effort, who fled with her family when she was one, they had been living in the Democratic Republic of Congo, they survived a decade in refugee camps and then settled in our state 14 years ago. She says communities embracing immigrants help them thrive and potentially help them start their own businesses one day. In African community, especially as I know, I grew up in a community where you come in, um, those who are there before you, they kind of take over and they help you do, you know, they give you the resources or if they don't have the resources, they try to give you the resources. And so um, at my dad's church, what they do is if there's new refugees in town, they try to get a hold of the social worker, whoever has their case. Um, they bring them in, get, uh, they introduce them to other Africans. Um, if there's classes, English classes, ESL classes are given so they can get their language skills in uh, and be able to actually go to work so they're not just sitting at home um, and not doing anything. And so, I mean, those are the type of things that um, you're seeing. So I wouldn't say that <clears throat> the longer you are here, the less entrepreneurial you are. I think the longer you are here, then you're more integrated into the um, system, you're more integrated into the community. You already have the resources, and so you're probably more likely that person behind helping the new refugees um, get settled in, um, get their English uh, skills you know, intact, um, helping them go to school, um, take DMET classes, if you will, um, take you know, any classes really that will help you out. Congo Girls United, by the way, celebrates con uh, contributions women from Congo have made across the world. When we come back, a focus on education, and I was teacher of the year who says it's okay to embrace failure. His commitment to education got Christopher Burke out of his favorite place, the classroom. Burke is a math teacher at Roosevelt Middle School in Dubuque. He is Iowa's new teacher of the year. He got honored at a luncheon and he wanted everybody to know that it is okay to fail in order to succeed. I've grown to realize that I am at my best when I surround myself with those who care about others and are driven to see others maximize their potential. I have learned to acknowledge my mistakes, to recognize that yes, failure is an option, not one that we actively seek, but an option with tremendous room for growth. All right, up next, forgetting about this miserable winter, what is missing in our state and predictions. All next in the Insider's Quick Six. Time now for the Insider's Quick Six. Gents, question one, how do we make people forget about this miserable winter? Yeah, you just got to get them out in the, uh, in the great outdoors in about three, four months. <laughs> Plan a warm trip, have something on the calendar, and eat oranges because they taste like summer. Ooh. I like that. Uh, question two. We're going big picture here today. How do we keep kids in our state after they graduate? Gosh, I mean, I think uh, I think there are a number of, of facets that build into that. But uh, but I think we, we're already starting to see a trend of folks that, that do kind of remember and, and have a nostalgia about their childhood that, that do want to return to that small town feel. I mean, that's that's missing in a lot of other places in the country. Okay. This is still where you want to raise a family. All right. Invest in outdoor recreation because I think that's what younger people are looking for. Um, and it, we have a lot of good potential outdoor recreation opportunities if we just put the money behind it. All right, we're gonna go the other way here. Number three, how do you keep the older folks here, especially those who wanna get away from this winter, right? Quit taxing their retirement. <laughs> All right. Uh, make our communities age friendly. That means pedestrian friendly streets. That means um, 
you know, having uh, affordable housing in some of these rural communities, uh, and that will keep the 50-plus population in Iowa. Uh, your current and former jobs have allowed you to do some traveling across our country. So number four, what do you think Iowa's most appealing thing is? It's our people. Uh, time and time again, you talk to folks that, that aren't from here, uh, they leave remembering the people that they got to interact with. I would have to agree, um, but they also remember the pizza ranches. <laughs> <laughs> All right, question five, what is missing in our state? Oh gosh, the pheasant population I grew up with. <laughs> Presidential campaign staff. <laughs> we need more of them. Too many candidates, maybe. Too many All candidates. Right. Prediction. Right. Oh gosh, uh, we are uh, we are uh, officially done relying on rodents to tell us when the seasons will change. Uh, <laughs> we we still got uh, a solid month before we we really get to put our coats away. Thanks, Mr. Pessimist. I hope <laughs> this is better, Brad. I think we're going to see some major action on prescription drug costs. I think Senator Grassley has done a terrific job highlighting that issue, and ARP 100% supports trying to find ways to bipartisan ways to lower prescription drug costs. And we're right. going to see something before the next election. Hmm. All right, Brad Drew, thank you much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for being with us. Let's stay connected throughout the week. Welcome to March.